Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. What's happening, everybody? Fighter's Fury, bright and early football season so we're coming at you nine to ten now for the next 16 weeks as inevitably the dolphins will not make the playoffs i know every first january once it rolls around we will uh we will be back to our 10 a.m slot but this is where we are it's been tradition now for a good six years which is cool we had a busy fight night last night very very busy multiple television night at the tobin household my wife always loves that when i have to drag the other tv out of the garage and set that up in the living room and get the broadcast going, make our living room look like a sports bar. Nothing nothing pleases Mrs. Tobin more than that, and I mean that with all, all sarcasm. After, after by the way, she decorates the house in, in fall festivities, and I, I have to put the pumpkins away in a different spot. Nothing pleases her more than to see, oh, great, two types of combat on television. I'll see you later. I'm going to get the iPad and watch some British show on Hulu. Anyway... That's neither here nor there. The reason I have to do that is because we had to see everything that was going down last night from UFC 228 to Sean Porter versus Danny Garcia. And I got to tell you, it even left me like no time to even go and catch Superfly on HBO. So all apologies to that. Um, I got that on the DVR and I still got to catch the uh, the second episode of 24-7. We're heading out to Vegas this week, Leroy and I, to, uh, to go check out Canelo versus Triple G, which we're very excited about. And we'll preview that fight a little bit later on in the show. I want to start off with UFC 228 um, because, first of all, this card got dumped on a little bit. People were not excited about it. It had, not surprisingly, its own drama with uh, another title fight falling out, which seems to be another tradition that's come by with UFCs lately. Every time the Friday weigh-ins come in, you're crossing your fingers hoping, please, 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 please have this fight go through. And thankfully, the fight we were all fearful of falling through, Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley, had no drama at all. Darren Till made weight. Um, Tyron Woodley had to do a couple attempts because his shorts were too heavy. But pretty much a clean weigh-in for the main event, so that was cool. Nico Montano and Valentina Shevchenko, that fight got scrapped. Nico got to the hospital, never weighed in. She has been stripped of the women's flyweight title uh, too long without a defense. So, but I, I got to tell you, like that, I said this last week, um, that wasn't, everybody felt like Valentina was going to, to roll in that fight pretty easily. And she never really got the chance to prove it, which is a bummer for her. But there's a reason that they had to go and make Tyra Woodley fight there until on short notice. And that's because not a lot of people were into, to watching the first flyweight women's defense of a woman who was on the Oldsman Fighter. Just not a lot of background on her. And so 
We ended up getting the fight uh, between Darren Till and Tyron Woodley. No drama, really, with the weigh-ins. And Tyron Woodley did work, man. That first round, a little bit of a power struggle as far as, you know, he clipped Darren like once. Darren was really, really pacing himself. He looked like a guy almost who was overly concerned with how much energy he was going to have at the end of the fight. But he was throwing nothing at Tyron Woodley at all. And this is the thing I would say if I, if I was Darren Till, just from a strategy standpoint. I would think if you are the gorilla, if you are the guy who is coming in there with such imposing dominance with your striking, I'd want I'd want that to be known right away. I'd want to send some kind of a message to Tyron Woodley. He did not. He decided to, to pace himself and to keep his distance and to be more cerebral. And when we got into the real exchanges of this fight, there's a couple things that were noticeable. One, it was going to be stand-up because Tyron Woodley was having trouble taking Darren Till down. Darren Till was very big and very massive, and it was clear that it was a tough move for Tyron Woodley once he, from just a straight-up takedown standpoint. But it did feel like Tyron Woodley had a great, great, great speed advantage, which was a big question going into this. You know, when we were looking at this fight, and we were talking about this last week, we thought, well, what does Darren Tell really bring to this cage other than a great mass advantage? It wasn't reach. You know, they mentioned this a couple times in the broadcast last night. The, the arm reach was the same, which was surprising for two guys that have, you know, nearly five inches separating themselves in height. Um, it wasn't necessarily power. You know, Tyron Woodley has absolutely devastating knockout power. Guy put the lights out on Robbie Lawler. He is, he is absolutely packing a lot of punch with that right hand. Um, well-rounded. Tyron Woodley's more well-rounded. Battle-tested. He's more battle-tested. So... I thought that Till really had to impose that size advantage, whatever it was, very early. And the fact that you gave Tyron Woodley kind of a comfort round almost to to really feel things out, to test out distance, um, to really to to really engage that pullback right hand, which ended up putting Darren Till down in the second round. I, I thought it was a misstep by him. You know, so many times we get into these these guys get to these championship fights and they think the strategy has to completely change because there's this daunting five rounds and you have to respect that. And you know that that is going to be a challenge, but it's almost to the point where they forget with what, what, with what brought them to that point. So Tyler Willie was awesome. Second round comes, he hits that right hand. It's about a minute into the round. So he, he, Takes Darren Till's wits about him very, very early. Darren Till's now got to deal with Tyron Woodley, an elite wrestler, on top of him, striking down devastating elbows for a matter of four minutes and 15 seconds. It, it was not it was not a, an enviable position for anybody in the sport, let alone a guy who you have on top of you who is a, 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 a multiple defending champion of the welterweight crown. And Tyron Woodley went and did work. He cut him open with some vicious elbows. He uh, he was he was pummeling him left and right, and Till was maintaining the storm on the ground. He was he was always moving. He was defending, but he was taking an ass kicking. Really, he wasn't able to get up. He wasn't able to really deliver anything back. He was surviving, and 
in the midst of surviving. Didn't notice that Tom Woodley was setting him up the entire time for a choke and put the lights out on him. It was over. Taryn Taylor had to tap out. Darsh choke. That's all she wrote. And Tyra Woodley is still your welterweight champion of the world at 170 pounds. And a great performance by him. A great performance by him. An exciting performance by him. I think that Woodley needed a couple things for this. Um, this wasn't an enviable position for him to fight a guy like Darren Till, who we talked about it. He didn't deserve this fight. Darren Till was not worthy of the number one contender status. He was lucky in regards to whatever happened with Colby and them needing to rush getting a title fight on here. He was able to get timing because of that because Colby wasn't ready to fight and they needed a big fight for this card to sell it at all. And they did that. But Darren Till was not worthy of a title shot. He was a guy who they are trying to soup into Conor McGregor. They are trying to fit him into that mold. He's not that. He's not that. And it's not to say that he's not excellent. And it's not to say that he can't be something great down the road. He's only 25 years old. But we got to be careful as people who consume this sport to start putting that mantle around everybody when it comes to European fighters who got a funny voice, who talk confidently and thinking they're going to be the next McGregor. Joe Rogan, who I love, he was he was exuding this on the broadcast with Darren Till, thinking that Darren Till, there's something about the way he talks and the conviction that he talks with. And it's like, Joe, you're falling for a European accent because Tyron Woodley's been out here telling you for years that he's one of the best welterweights of all time, and yet he's having to beat number one contender after number one contender Beating Damian Maya, making sure Damian Maya never gets on him. Beating Wonderboy Thompson, knocking out Robbie Lawler, now knocking out your foe McGregor, and it's like you still don't believe the confidence that he speaks with. It was, it was cool seeing Tyron yesterday in the post game press conferences and all this because look, we've talked about this on the show as well. With Tyron, there's been a little bit of a, you know, why, 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 and, and almost the why has turned into a wine with him of why don't you guys give me the credit I'm due. And it's like, people will. People will. When when the time comes, people will know that they were wrong the entire time or know that they were missing the boat on something the entire time. You know, usually the fighter is the first to know. But it's it's the, the, the worst way to go about it is to go and call the audience stupid and say they don't know what they're watching. And also, the fight's against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Damian Maya weren't the most pleasing. That's why this one was, I think, so important that he's now gone in there with these last five title fights, the one where he won the belt, the two against Wonderboy, the one against Damian Maya, and now this one against Darren Till. And the ones that were, I would say, everybody looked at it and said those are the scariest ones, he's gone and wiped the boogeyman out. He's gone and, and and cleaned the clock of the guy who was supposed to maul him in Robbie Lawler and Darren Till. And the ones that only one way, a guy, a guy really it seemed like he only had one way to win, he picked that apart. And it's shown you, it's almost, it's becoming, you know, Woodley's shown you his 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 mighty mouseness where he's he's breaking guys down and he's finding those keys to win. Um and sometimes it's exciting and sometimes it's strategic. 
But that appreciation will come. That appreciation will come. And right now, it's hard to say that he's not the second greatest welterweight of all time. GSP's obviously got the status, and Tyron Woodley's not trying to go out there and say that he has the GOAT status on GSP. I think the thing that'll be interesting is if Tyron Woodley starts going out there and if he does fight Colby Covington and clean him out, if he does fight a Kamaru Usman and clean him out, if he does it in the fashion he does last night, you know, it still may be hard for people to give him the greatest of all time stats when it comes to 170 pounds, but could he become a more popular welterweight champion and far as far as a, a fan favorite to watch i definitely think that he can you know one thing about gsp that can't be lost his fight style was not for the everyday or, or the casual fan it wasn't a guy who was uh was the most pleasing was he a, a a master of breaking people down and taking away your best weapon and getting on top of you and you know beating the hell out of you until the 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 horn sounded in five rounds? Absolutely. But for Tyron Woodley, the fact that he's got this extra gear that he can put on guys and put them on the canvas, it is a, it is a, it is an element of GSP's game that he never had. So you see that Tyron Woodley has the cerebralness and the ability to take away guys' best weapons and the ability to neutralize his opponent, if you will. But he's also got the ability to put your lights out. And I don't think anybody ever looked at a GSP fight and felt, oh, this is how he's going to absolutely end that thing. Putting Michael, the, the recent Michael Bisping fight aside, because a little bit quirky, he was at 185 pounds. I'm talking about his welterweight reign. Nobody looked at GSP and said, yeah, he's, I think the strat, I think the, the path to victory here for GSP is he puts the light out, puts the lights out on this guy. No, we never thought that. Um, the fact that Tyron does have that in his toolbox I think if the resume continues the way it is, maybe we could go down the road and say that he was a more dynamic welterweight champion than GSP was. What is it going to have to be for him to be considered better than GSP? I guess longevity just has to play itself out. We'll have to find out how many defenses he ends up getting. We'll have to find out um, the ways he goes about winning. But look, he's he the as far as quality of opponent, I mean, with the way the sport is developing, with how good guys are getting, the fact that he's gone from everybody from longstanding champs and Robbie Lawler to beating young lions like Darren Till, I mean, it's uh, he's got as as good a champion resume as a lot of people have ever had in this sport. He's now the the, the longest reigning UFC current champ there is, and it's uh, it's hard to deny that he's 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 not. An all-time great. What would it take for him to be the all-time great? Be cool if we could see the GSP fight. You know, I know GSP's not into it. He doesn't think that that is um, worth the worth his time. I'll tell you this. I would be, personally, much more into seeing George St. Pierre fight Tyron Woodley than I would see him cutting to 155 pounds to fight Conor McGregor. There's just something about the bigger guy naturally cutting a lot of weight to go get belts just doesn't do anything for me. We've talked about this with TJ and DJ. Like 
The idea that people are cutting to 125 pounds, like, all right, great. I don't want to be here stressing as a fan. Like, is this guy even going to make the scale? Is he killing himself to even make weight? Because ultimately, this new fad of going to get multiple belts, again, it's like you're trying to put McGregor in a microwave. You can't do it. You can't put a Darren Till out there and think that he talks cool and he has one knockout, put him in a microwave, give him a cool video package, and think he think he's going to be the next Conor McGregor. It doesn't work like that. The Conor McGregor thing was a slower build than you think it was. It took a lot of fights. Was it calendar-wise put in a small time? Yeah, but it took a small undercard on Fox, headlining in Ireland, headlining on FS1, headlining on Fox, headlining a pay-per-view, interim title, win a title, you know, have Diaz fights in between, which were the biggest fights of all time, and then you win another title. You know, like, there, there, there are a lot of steps. It's not just beat Cowboy, have a cool voice, be confident, and talk bleep, and, and then you're the next Conor McGregor. You can't do that. You can't put it in a microwave. And I think that now, because Conor is the guy who went and he was the man and went and got two belts, now everybody wants to go get two belts. But what Tyron Woodley's doing in just defending his throne, defending the, 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 the welterweight championship of the world, I love that. I love the fact that he's just happy sitting there and being the all-time best at his weight and going that route. I think there's there's real honor in it, and I think there's real greatness in it. I don't, you know, if he goes to beat Robert Whitaker at 185 pounds, I don't think of him in much grander fashion than I do if he were to beat Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. I just don't. Just sit there and defend your throne. It just shows. I think I think for him, continuing this lineage of, of, of trying to prove that he's the best welterweight of all time is a great way to go. And I don't think he needs to go and, and, and go title chasing. That That is McGregor microwaving. You're trying to be Conor McGregor with, with, with just kind of adding on little extra toppings, hit, hitting, the, hitting the, the, the potato button, and hoping it all just comes out right. And that's not how it worked. The people will dictate who is this, who is that. You can't just say this, Darren Till is the next McGregor, and he's the next McGregor. You can't just go rack up extra belts and say you're the next McGregor. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. The fans dictate that. But a great performance by Tyron Woodley yesterday. An awesome UFC 228 card. We'll get more into it when we come back. We also got to get into Sean Porter versus Danny Garcia. We also got a preview, uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Triple G, the rematch. A lot to get to on Fighters Fury. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Again, we're here in our early slot. It's not a messed up tape or anything like that. It's football season, so we're off from 9 to 10. Aquan Orange pregame show. We'll get going starting at 10 a.m. It will get you ready for Dolphins and Titans. Get fired up, Dolphins. It's, it's back. Football is back. Everything's going on. A lot. Of, it's a buzz around the stadium right now. It means it's uh, got a, a lot of stuff to weave through when I'm on my way here to the, on the way to the studio. So last night, UFC 228. I want to say this about the card because it was dumped on um, coming into this week. People weren't excited about it. It was an absolute awesome card. 
awesome card, a lot of great finishes, um, fun finishes, guys I thought really made names for themselves and women made names for themselves, especially Jessica Andrade. Her knockout of Carolina Kovalkiewicz was stunningly good. Stunningly good. Not to say that Jessica Andrade is not amazing and that she wasn't capable of it, but it was um, It was important for this for, from this regard. You know, Tatiana Suarez went out there and she dominated Carla Esparza. Just completely dominated her. Ended up getting a TKO in the third round. And then called out Rose Namajunas. And when you are the young thing on the block and you're calling your shot, even though people think it may be a little bit too soon, um, the the other division needs to take notice. And they need to go and make a point. And that's what Jessica Andrade did. She says, uh-uh, not yet, not yet young lion you're gonna have to wait your turn a little bit longer some people have thrown out for tatiana suarez seeing her fight Joanna. i'd be into that i think that'd be fun um and then of course you know do with with uh with nico montagna being stripped and seemingly having issues making weight now does it become more intriguing for Joanna to go take the leap to 125 if they give her an automatic title shot against valentina um, is that something they would be into? That'd be a hell of a fight too. So I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting one. And and I would say if it were Joanna, I think that would be the move is to go up to 125 if you get an opportunity for the title. Because I think for her, the story's been wrote at 115. I thought she made herself this daunting figure there. And she was an awesome champion. But Rose has that number right now. I think I think Rose is I think I think Rose has made the point that she is clearly better right now. And so for me, I want to see Yoana still be at the top and be in important fights. I don't want to see her because she had the quick climb be at this part of the UFC where she can't be in the title picture when it's being held by Rose. Now if Andrade goes out and she beats Rose Namajunas or Tatiana Suarez goes out and beats Rose Namajunas, you know, then we have a new... T- Once Rose is off the throne, I think Joanna definitely has the chance to get back in there and be champ again. But for right now, she doesn't. I, I just... I don't see how you logistically could make that fight. So, great performance by Andrade yesterday. Uh, Zabit Magomed Sharipov... He beat Brandon Davis via submission, knee bar, couple of knee bars on this card. Aljamain Sterling got one and Cody Stammen in the prelims. Uh, really wicked. Almost threw the full Nelson on his ass. And then uh, ended up getting him with the knee bar. And then Zabit, he also got him with a with a six submission. And called out Chad Mendes afterwards. I'd be into that fight. I'd like to see Zabit take a little step up in competition. You know, Chad Mendes is coming off a long layoff. He uh, he just had a um, a really good comeback fight. I think this would be cool. It's it's a good test of waters for Zabit. I think Chad would take the fight. It's a very very contrasting styles of bodies. You want to talk about how people look completely different at 145 pounds? This is it. The way Chad Mendez looks looks like a little Hulk, short, stocky, um, and then you got Zabit who's six one. Looks like he no- he doesn't eat. I don't know how he lives, and he's 145 pounds. Uh, I think that's an interesting s- clash of styles, and it'd be it'd be fun to see that matchup. So, cool call out by Zabit yesterday. Uh, Jimmy Rivera, Jod Dodson, probably the most lull fight, and I thought that was going to be 
the best fight of the night. Um, but I don't know, just couldn't couldn't spark me as far as everything else was going. Jimmy Rivera ends up getting the nod there. A lot of talk of John Dodson's motivation for some reason during that broadcast of what what motivation he has. So I guess that puts to their point. And I want to say this this one for me this was knockout of the night. The the knockout Jeff Neal put on Frank Camacho. It's kind of everything that went into it because he was putting it on, he was pouring it on Frank Camacho, pouring it on him on the, against the cage, strikes, knees, everything. And clearly got a little tapped out on his energy because Camacho then says, uh, he's he looks dead on his feet. First of all, should point this out. Fight probably should have been ended at, at the end of the first round. Camacho didn't even know where his corner was. You, you, If the ref would have stopped then, you wouldn't have argued it. But Jeff Neal, after seeing this crazy Camacho, you're using him like a heavy bag. Camacho then does a ah! screams. You're just like, great. I'm fighting an absolute zombie. An absolute zombie. So what do you have to do with a zombie? You have to lop off its head. That's zombie 101. You guys watch Walking Dead? That's how it rolls. You got to take off the head and burn it. And that's basically what Jeff Neal did. Once these guys got into a bit of an exchange back to the center of the octagon and the zombie is walking forward, head kicks him to hell and flatlines him. Boop. Over. And it was a devastating knockout. I don't think he ended up getting a bonus. He should have gotten a bonus. It was uh, it was a very cool exchange, uh, one of the ones that stands out. So very, very fun card yesterday. Now, we had Showtime Boxing last night. Sean Porter versus Danny Garcia. couple things on this. Um, Sean Porter ends up getting the nod, 115-113. Two judges, uh, two judges had it that way. They had 115-113 uh, for Sean Porter. One had 116-112. I had it 115-113 for Sean Porter. And I felt like I could have gone 116-112 for Sean Porter. I definitely felt Sean Porter won this fight. Um, I know Showtime came back at the end. They ended up giving Danny Garcia a draw. I'm okay with that. I don't think they're right. I do feel like Sean Porter did enough to get the nod here. I felt like he won the majority of the rounds. I felt like he put in more of the work. I felt like he was imposing his will more on Danny Garcia. And Danny Garcia was kind of here just for, you know, the counter shots and he was very accurate. I think he was 46% of his shots last night. So he was making all his shots count. I just didn't feel like they, they were stunning Sean Porter. Like, I didn't feel like any of his counter shots were stopping the bull. I felt like Sean Porter just kept coming. I felt like he was still imposing his will. You know, there were a couple rounds late there. Like, I thought round 11, it was, uh, it, it really was, once you got to 11 and 12, they were very, very close. But for me, I just thought Sean Porter was just busier. I thought he was I thought he was also getting to the head a little more. Was he using his head a little bit? Yes, he was. Uh, but you kind of know that going into these things. He only got one warning, I believe, in the fight. Um, but for Danny, I felt Danny was in a good spot early on in the fight. I felt like he 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 knew his distance, but he wasn't able to maintain it, you know. Sean got to that point around the fourth, fifth round where Danny just got exhausted keeping Porter off of him. And 
I just thought the judges got that right. I thought I thought a close win for Sean Porter. One judge having a 8-4. I could see it. I almost lean that way. 7-5 is probably the most appropriate it was. 6-6. Six, six, we can have a talk. I don't think it was a draw, but I'm not going to call you an idiot. If you thought Danny Garcia won that fight, I'd call you an idiot. That's kind of how I'd see it. If you think Danny Garcia won the majority of the rounds, nah, I don't think I, I, I don't think we could talk on that one. You want to say that they were even on rounds? I'll sit down and we can go to Starbucks and 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 talk over you know a cheese Danish or something. That's fine. Seven five eight four for Sean Porter, most likely seven five. I think that's the way it should have gone. Thought I thought he worked for it more, dictated the style of the fight, landed big shots when he needed to. Um, and it didn't feel like he was affected by Danny Garcia's counter punches very much. Didn't feel like it. So that's the way that goes. Now, what's next for him? They bring Errol Spence into the ring. They're going to fight a unification fight. Down for that. Makes more sense than Errol Spence fighting a Mikey Garcia. Kind of a bummer for Mikey Garcia because I know that's the big fight that he wanted. He just wants big challenges out there. I'm telling you, they got to get something for Mikey Garcia. Um, that makes a little bit more sense. Feels like he's just going way up, way too fast. And I want Errol Spence to get that fight that really establishes him in his own weight class. And I think if he goes and he beats a Mikey Garcia, people are going to be like, great. You beat a pound-for-pound guy, but you beat a pound-for-pound guy that you're way bigger than. Sean Porter. Sean Porter has been in there with the best of the best at welterweight. He is a legit test. Um... If you want my opinion, I think Errol Spence wins that fight. But I think he needs to win that fight to really not only prove that he's the real deal, but I also think make a statement to Terrence Crawford. We eventually want to see that fight to Terrence Crawford. And I think most people right now, if you had to if you had to power rank it, Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence, I think they go Terrence Spence, uh they go Terrence Crawford uh number one. You know, he was the he was the undisputed unified champion at 140. Comes up, win titles there. Um he's a, he's an absolute monster, switches stances, beats you anyway. I, I just think that right now, for me, he's the guy. I think Terrence Crawford's the guy. And I think that if you're Errol Spence, you want something that that puts the argument and the ball in your court a little bit. So I think this is a good fight for him. If he can unify some titles, um, I think I think this uh, this is an important match for him, way more than fighting a Mikey Garcia for right now. I think Mikey Garcia finds something a little bit lower. Do they make the Lomachenko fight? I know that's got some hiccups and some some tough things around it because of promotional stuff. But man, that'd be a monster. I know that'd be a monster. I know there was a top ranked breakup there with Mikey Garcia, but man, that'd be that'd be just an absolutely great fight if they could make that happen. So. That's where things stand last night, Showtime Boxing. When we come back, we'll get into Triple G versus Canelo. The rematch coming up in Las Vegas. We're going out to Vegas for the fight. We'll have a lot of coverage for you there out in Sin City. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Feeling all right with the early wake-up today. Feeling bread out of bushy-tailed. So, I want to get into Triple G and Canal in just a second, but I want to make this point because 
There's so much to get into yesterday off the fallout from the Woodley knockout or tap out, excuse me, of Darren Till. So much to get to from the fallout of that fight. Um, Mostly what is next for Tyron Woodley. So I, I think you can only go two paths here if you're Tyron Woodley. And that is either fight George St. Pierre if GSP, if last night was enough to prove to GSP that you're worthy of the fight. And Tyron kind of no-sold that yesterday because I can get it. You're annoyed with GSP and the fact that GSP is pretty much only in this for the big monster fights. And there's part of it that's like, I get it with GSP. Like, you've done it all in the sport. You have proven your reign. It's not on GSP to have to go prove that he's the greatest welterweight of all time when he gave up his welterweight throne five years ago. It's not his responsibility. But if he were to do that, I'm in. That, to me, top of the list. Tyron Woodley versus GSP. I don't think that's going to happen. So if it's not going to happen, what has to happen next is Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington. Colby Covington shouldn't have been stripped of his interim title. Nobody really should have jumped him in line to get this fight with Tyron Woodley. It was stupid. It was a stupid move by the UFC in the first place to do this fight. I, 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 and I'll tell you, as the fight got closer, I was very excited for Woodley versus Darren Till because I was excited for the challenge. I wanted to see what Woodley was going to bring to the table. I really didn't think much of Darren Till coming into this because, look, man, Darren Till's rise is all built off a knockout of Cowboy Cerrone, and I love Cowboy Cerrone, but, you know, there comes to a point where we got to start talk, ha, start having the washed conversation with Don Cerrone. I mean, he has been in a lot of wars, and he's taken a lot of punishment lately. And so when that's the big head on your wall, when that's the big trophy beating Cowboy, we have to have a real talk about what kind of a legit welterweight contender are you. Not, not to mention the fact you're the biggest welterweight out there Cowboys on on the realm of the smallest welterweights out there. Like it, you're both strikers. It's a match made in heaven. And then the Wonder Boy fight was razor thin. Didn't make weight. Basically won that fight in a knockdown late in it. So I get it. You know you wanted that guy to be your star and be your figurehead at 170, even though he's not long for the division. But there's no way we could sit here and have a legitimate conversation about Darren Till deserving that fight more than Colby Covington did. Colby Covington went out there in, a, in his five-round fight against a former champion in Rafael Dos Anjos, and he dominated that fight against RDA. He did. You know, people thought that fight was close. No, I didn't see, see, see that fight at close. I didn't. Now, we could have a ton of conversations about Colby and all the stuff that he says and the, the kind of emotions that he's invoking and how personal this is, or whether you think his trash talk is lame or not, that's fine. But even if he weren't the interim champion, how can we have a talk here and say that he's not the number one contender? How? I mean, you had a number one contender fight between him and RDA. If there was no interim belt on the line, and he just wasn't ready to go, he was just a guy, he's just a contender, would you would you even think twice about it no no you just you put you put that interim title on Colby Covington you dummies you were the ones who were like yeah, yeah, yeah this fight has to be for an interim title we all told you makes no sense and then we told you this fight makes no sense do something that makes sense Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington the two hate each other 
It's going to have natural heat. It's going to be a big seller. I think it could be your next Daniel Cormier versus John Jones, a legit rivalry. And I think it's going to make a ton of dough. And Tyron Woodley thinks it's an easy fight. Colby Covington, he's been wanting this fight for a long time. Just makes too much sense. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. Make this fight as soon as possible. And there was talk last night, making it for November Madison Square Garden. Colby wants that fight. Tyron Woodley yesterday, he was saying in the post-fight, you know what? Didn't take any damage. I could be ready for November. Good. Have it signed this week. Let's go already. No need to beat around. You take the week of McGregor versus Khabib. You put them in a press conference to announce this fight. And boom. Send it to the moon. This idea that you're waiting around for some magic John Jones, USADA thing to come through. No way, man. First of all, that's going to look sketchy in its own right. Second of all, what? let's have a real talk. What do you think does bigger? Give these guys a legit push. Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. Do we think that does a bigger buy rate than John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson? I don't think so. How many people remember that fight, in all honesty? It was one of the best fights ever, one of the best championship fights of all time. But, you know, is is the sell John Jones is coming back again? Hey, guys, guess what? John Jones is back from screwing up. $69.95 on pay-per-view. What? How many times are we going to use that as a selling point? Hey, John Jones is done screwing up. He's back again. You know, I'm not saying it's not good, and I'm saying I'm not going to watch. But I'm saying just a natural fight buildup. To me, it's T. Wood versus Colby Covington. I don't even think it's close. So just my just my thoughts on what should be next with the welterweight title. Um, I think most people lean that way. Not breaking any news here. It's just... I don't even think it should be a debate. And if you could do it in November, do it in November. Let's go. Let's go already. Now, one of the things that makes Kobe versus Woodley, I think, intriguing is the the heat that these guys have on each other and they, they don't like each other. And for me, that is what has made the rematch of Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez more intriguing than the first fight. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. But there's something to be said about how a fight is built, how it is promoted, the emotion guys feel for each other. And in the first fight, it's just very respectful. It was very, let's see who the best is here. We just want the best fight and the best. Cool. I'm for the respect of the sport, the sweet science, the love of the game, all for it. However, if you're going to give me animosity, on top of who is the best in the game, forget it. It's not even close. It's not even close. You you tell me. You got the same fight, all right? Same two guys fight each other. They're just doing it to see who the best is or they're doing it to settle a beef. What are you more interested in? The same guys are in there, but what they're fighting for is to settle actual hatred or to just say, who's the best? To me, I like shenanigans. I like bleep talking. I like fight promotions almost more than I like fights. I love it. I, and the fact that this whole steroid thing went down, 
It's got the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard of. Mexican meat? What are we talking about, Canelo? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. That, I mean, that's right up there with, with the Chinese Viagra pills that Anderson Silva got popped for. One of those ridiculous PED suspensions I've ever heard of. Then you have on top of it the fact that Triple G felt he got screwed in the first fight, which he did. And I'll tell you this. I had the fight a draw. So when I say he got screwed, it's not that I don't think the ultimate decision was wrong. The fact that there was a judge who had it 10 rounds to two for Gennady Golovkin is criminal. And the fact that that woman still has a job in the commission is crazy to me. It's absolute lunacy. That's why he got screwed. Because if, if you had any person, if I had a cat, and I said, hey, cat, you got to tell me who wins these fights between two humans. The cat's going to come up with a closer decision than what that judge came with in the first Gennady Golovkin-Canelo fight. That cat's going to at least have it 8-4. Something a little bit in, in closer margin. The cat may be high on catnip. He may be playing with yarn in between rounds and look up and say, I got a better idea who is, who's winning this fight than that old kook Adelaide Bird who had no idea what was going on. So, one, coming into this rematch, one guy got screwed. Two, the guy who screwed that guy cheated. He took performance-enhancing meat, allegedly. Then, they cancel their fight, causing the guy millions of dollars. Now they actually get to fight. It's got so much more to it, so much more juice than the first fight did. Not even close. Not even close. Then just seven. Who's the best? What? Who's the best? I don't know. Are either of you the best? Or is this just saying you guys are the two most famous? I don't know. But now that there's an actual beef to settle between these guys is is just tremendous. The 24-7 has been awesome. The bleep talking has been tremendous. And I got to tell you, I really don't have a great feel for this fight and how it's going to go. This is how I, I thought the, la the last time we had a heated, controversial decision with guys of this magnitude, was Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev. And everybody thought Kovalev got screwed. And Andre Ward got the gift decision. And I remember that same fight. I had the same score. I had Andre Ward in that fight tying Sergey Kovalev. And I remember lead in the lead-up to that fight thinking, no way Sergey Kovalev is going to let this one go to the judges. Andre Ward is going to get swarmed. He got knocked down in the first fight. Going to be no contest. That's where I would gravitate towards. The guy imposed his will early. He led him back into the fight. Not going to do it this time. This last fight with Canelo and Triple G, it's a little bit different. Triple G started off very, very slow. Kind of let Canelo get some on the board early. Then he really started imposing his will. But then it kind of let up again. So, there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, Gennady Golovkin, he had a fight in between here. He's going to go maul Canelo Alvarez. That's the natural place to go. But, there, there is this part of me that's thinking, man, Gennady Golovkin is old, man. It's not just that he's past his prime anymore. He's really, really getting up there. 
and we have seen deterioration there. He's not the same knockout artist. Yeah, he knocked out this dude in May, and that guy was coached by Ronda Rousey's striking coach, which you know he's a disaster to begin with. So I just look at this fight, and I, 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 I feel myself leaning back towards that Sergey Kovalev-Andre Ward theory where, like, yeah, he, he's going to go out there and he's going to demolish him. He's not going to leave this one in the hands of the judges. But then I think of Canelo Alvarez, and I think of a guy who, even with 60 professional fights, still in his prime age range, he's still a guy who can get better. He looks in phenomenal shape, steroid allegations and all. He looks absolutely shredded. And this thing is very, very important in regards to Canelo Alvarez. If he truly didn't cheat, if this was just a case of he took mistaken meat, he's got a lot to prove in this fight, more so than Gennady Golovkin does. People saw that first fight, and most people thought Gennady got screwed. And I think that can almost relax you too much going into a rematch, thinking, I got this guy. We've seen it go both ways. I mean, we've seen Antonio Tarver versus Roy Jones. Antonio Tarver felt like he got, he got screwed, and he knocked out Roy Jones. But the difference was there, it felt like Roy was at the tail end. With Canelo, I still feel like he's a guy in his prime, and I still feel like he's a guy with stuff to prove. And so for me, seeing how that fight was developing late, seeing how Canelo was making his way back into that fight, seeing all the stuff that he has to prove coming into this fight, even though it's not the happy ending, because I think for the happy ending, for the storybook ending, it's Gennady Golovkin gets his revenge, knocks out the dirty cheat in Canelo Alvarez. But for me, I see the guy in his prime who is getting better, who looks in great shape, who looks motivated to prove something. And for me, I feel feel like Canelo Alvarez is going to win this fight. I feel like he is. I'm not I'm not getting duped into that thing that I did with Sergey and Andre Ward. I feel like Canelo's coming out on this one on top. So it's going to be a fun week, though. We're going to be out in Las Vegas. Leroy and I will be out there Thursday and Friday. We'll be covering the fight. We'll have coverage for you next week. Again, in our new time slot, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. as it is for football season. That means it's time for the Aqua Norwich pregame show. They will get you ready for Dolphins and Titans. Everybody have a great rest of your week, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.